Hi, we're the Quins, and we're going to be doing today's reading, which is from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 10. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will through the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. Good morning, church. It's good to be together with you in this space. As we start this new season of ministry at Pine Lake Covenant Church, I'm full of gratitude. Gratitude to God for the call he's given me in this space. Even more grateful for the people that God has brought together to be his church in this season wherever you're connecting with us. I'm grateful for you. We are in this together. So are any of you poetry fans? You know, I've recently renewed some of my love of poetry back in the day when I was in college. Um, I was an English major, so I was seeped in all kinds of poetic literature, the classics from Shakespeare to Melton and beyond. And I loved digging into the layers of their poems for meaning and themes that would come through in their poetry. More recently, I've rediscovered contemporary poets like Wendell Berry and Mary Oliver, who are able in their creative way to pick up simple themes or grand themes. And in the way they express it, expand my own understanding and my mind, expand my perspective on life. You know, we're going to be taking a look at the book of Ephesians for the next five weeks in this series called We the Church. And I would like us to think as we begin that Ephesians, in a sense, is this grand poetic treatise on who the, who we are as a church, that it helps us to get beyond the rational mind, how we might define things, and move us into a creative space where we're looking beyond, we're enlarging our perspective on what it means to be the church in this season. You know, there are times where we think church is limited to what we see right now, and that's not exactly the case. We know that God has had a view on the church for centuries. We're not new to this discussion. And as we look at the book of Ephesians, I'm hoping that the truths of this will be unpacked like words in a poem, like verses in a poetic creation, so that we can see and wonder again and be encouraged again that God has a plan for us. 
First, just a little context in this sermon series. The book of Ephesians was written in the first century, probably around 60 AD. And it is a, uh, written probably by Paul, but maybe by one of his followers. It says in this subscription here that it was written to the church in Ephesus, but it was probably written to many different churches in that greater region, region of Asia Minor. Meant to be a circular letter. It doesn't address any specific problem like many of Paul's epistles, which addressed a concern in the church or a question that the church has. No, this is a grand poem, a theme that is beyond just immediate needs to help the church see what it means to be in Christ. The church in Christ might be the theme of this poem. So for these next five weeks, we're going to be unpacking this. Because we need to have a grander view in this season. You know, the disruption in our culture and the transition in our leadership sometimes makes us think that we don't have a clear sight of the future. But God has a design for us. He has a plan for his church. We have a spiritual heritage that moves us into the future with confidence, roots us in who we are in Christ, secures our future of who we will become in him. Now, it's understandable to have a little bit of a cloudy view of the church right now, to not be real certain what it means to be the church. For so many times, we've understood the church as centered on a building, as centered on a program, or coming together as centered on a pastor, perhaps. Many of us have felt this sense of loss from these kinds of things. We send, have a sense of loss for a place to be together, a sense of loss for proximity with each other, and a sense of being unsettled as we lose a pastor. And yet the truth we're going to discover today is that current restrictions, the things we think of as limitations, can never hinder or deter from God's plan for the church. Maybe when you were young, you heard a poem. I learned this as a child. It went like this. Here is the church. Here is the steeple. Open the doors. See all the people. Well, that poem doesn't really make much sense right now because we can't open our doors. We can't see the people. And our church doesn't even have a steeple. But we together are still the church. And there is a way to discover a new poem, a new grand vision for what the church is. So let's take a look at this grand poem in these these verses that were read for us this morning from Ephesians chapter 1. Our current reality, it's different, but God's vision remains the same. So let's um, begin by looking at this poem in a chronological sense. There's a lot of ways to look at it, but we can look at it in terms of God's design for the church, which was set before time, set within time in history, and has a future beyond time. Our spiritual heritage has roots in each one of those places. 
Now, we understand spiritual heritage in this way. Heritage is something we receive, something that is given to us by nature of our birth or adoption. It's rights and privilege that, privileges that are ours based on the relationships we have. We're invited into a, we receive a heritage based on um, our connections with one another, who we are. And so as we speak today about spiritual heritage, we will see it rooted before time, in time, beyond time, that gives us confidence for moving forward. Because current restrictions, my friends, can't detour God's plan for his church. Let's take a look at before time. The passage this morning talks about in verse 4, and I'm going to read it for you again. For he, God, chose us in him, in Christ, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters. Before creation, God had in mind his church. This is good news, my friends. We as human beings did not create the church. We didn't make up the idea of the church so that we could connect with God. This was God's design, even before creation of humanity, that he would adopt us as his sons and daughters, that he would invite us into his family, that he would do his work through the people he called together. Before the creation of the world, God had the church in mind. This is a wonderful truth. Ponder it today. Before creation, he knew about you and I. He knew about Pine Lake Covenant in July or August, I guess it is now, of 2020. God has us in mind, and that gives us confidence. But God's design, which was set in place before time, was brought to fruition within time, in history. The current reality of who we are in the church is really rooted in the historic life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which happened within time. His church, Christ's church, is something that is centered in a historical event, something that we can look back on and read about and verify It's not just some grand out there idea. God in Jesus Christ, in humanity, in real time, did what we couldn't do for ourselves. In Christ's death and resurrection, he invited us in. So that our current reality, our heritage now is so rich. In fact, verse three talks about this in a way that sometimes we don't, we forget. Hear this again. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's not a future statement, my friends. That is current. You and I have been blessed in the heavenly realms in Christ now, today. What we've been given because of Christ's sacrifice on our behalf is for us now. The author talks about it in terms of in the heavenly realms, which just means in the spiritual places. And spiritual reality is that you and I have access to spiritual blessings because of Christ. And Paul, or the author here, talks about these blessings in terms of our redemption. 
forgiveness of sin. Not just sin from yesterday or today, but for the future. We have that spiritual heritage right now. Adoption. Inclusion into his family. Invited to unite with Christ. This is our spiritual heritage. You know that term, in Christ, is repeated throughout the book of Ephesians, but especially in this first section, verses 3 to 14. Over 11 times, it's it's shown up in these verses, some in some way, this term, in Christ. When I was young, I and you may have had this too, I had always seen the Christian life as Jesus coming into me. And the scripture does speak about that. We invite Jesus into our lives. Jesus himself talks about coming to dwell with us and be in us. But the majority of the theme throughout the New Testament is not that Jesus comes to be in us, but that we've been invited to be united with him. We are in Christ. This union with him is a mystery, but it's a present reality for us as individuals and for us as a church. We, the church, in Christ, able to access all that we have as our heritage in those heavenly realms because of Jesus Christ. Paul says it differently in another one of his letters in Colossians 3, 3. He says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. We are with Christ. We are in God now. That is a current reality for us as a church. We may get stuck in our pandemic vortex and think there's no way to go forward, but Christ has invited us. We've been united with him, and so our current circumstances cannot thwart God's plans for us as his church. And here's the good news that's brought up in this passage as well, is that God has future plans already in place in Christ for his church. Let's read again these verses in in verses uh, 9 and 10. And he, God, made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. The term mystery here is not some unknown thing that we have to search out. Mystery just means it wasn't revealed until this time of post-Christ resurrection. And now it's been revealed. This purpose in Christ. And hear these words. It was according to God's pleasure. He always delighted in looking ahead to this, what is going to happen beyond time. To put put into to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment. There will be a time when this comes to pass for all. And here's what it is. To bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. To bring all things together in Christ. Everything that we see around us today that is divided in our culture, in our country, in our community, in our own hearts. That he, God, is going to bring all of them into unity, into perfect harmony under the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a glorious vision. This is a poem beyond expression. This is what the future is for God's church.
One theologian put, put it this way. In Christ, the entire universe will one day find its full explanation and rationale, its principle of cohesion. Everything will come together, everything in heaven and earth under Christ. And you and I are part of that right now. It's the kingdom now and the kingdom not yet. But there will be a day, my friends, where all things will come together. You and I, our own hearts, our own culture, our world, the universe itself, under the authority and love of Jesus Christ. This is good news. We could have read verse 11 in this passage as well, and it says this, In him, in Christ, we were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. God's plan won't be thwarted. Hear how Eugene Peterson describes this verse, and I love it. It's full of joyful, poetic phrases that remind us who we are as a church. God thought of everything provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him, in Christ. Everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet Earth. This is good news for us, that the God of the universe has us in mind. He had us in mind before time. He's holding us now as his church in this current time. And he has a future for us that is secure. All in Christ. Makes me wonder if we need to recreate that poem that we started with. Retell it in a different way. And as we do so, I want you to think about people you know. They may not be visible to you right now, but people who are part of the church, people who are part of Pine Lake Covenant Church, people you've known through your life, who've been in Christ, maybe even those who've gone on to the church eternal, because we are the church together. And so let's say this poem in a different way with those faces, those people in mind. Here is the church, no need for a steeple, all now in Christ, we are his people. This is something to celebrate, a poem beyond a childhood poem, a poem for the centuries. Let's pray together. Oh, praise to you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit for the privilege of being invited into your family, that we, the church, have security in this day because you have a plan for us. You've always had a plan for us. You have a future plan for us. And we rest in that, God. We lean into you in Christ for what you intend to do through us. And we thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen.